On this staff edition episode of the ASC podcast with John Gailey, we provide an overview of quality improvement in the ambulatory surgery center setting and how it affects staff in an ASC. Welcome to the ASC podcast with John Gailey, the longest running podcast specifically focused on the freestanding ambulatory surgery industry. This episode is sponsored by Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. The ASC regulatory environment is increasingly challenging, but organizations that outsource their regulatory oversight to Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies have an edge. HS works with ASCs to oversee their quality improvement program, run their meetings, develop educational programs, and always be prepared for surveys. For more information or to schedule a consultation, visit our website at ah-strategies.com, email us at info at ah-strategies.com, or call John Gailey directly at 585-594-1167. Welcome to episode 131 of the staff edition of the ASC podcast with John Gailey for May 17th, 2021, recording from our studios in Spencerport, New York. This is Susan Cronkite, Chief Researcher for the ASC Podcast with John Gailey and Senior Nurse Consultant for Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. Joining me is John Gailey, the owner of Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. John is recognized as one of the nation's leading experts in the ambulatory surgery industry. John is the author of over 10 books on the ASC industry and a frequent industry speaker on regulatory accreditation and finance issues. So one of the things that we try to do with our staff edition is identify topics that would be helpful for staff mm-hmm. in the surgery center to understand what's going on yeah. in those uh, ma- magical uh, administrative and, uh, and nursing <laughs> management offices. And uh, thank you to uh, all of our friends on our Saturday drop-in sessions that kind of give us uh, advice. Uh, if you're a patron member of the ASC podcast with John Gailey, we have this uh, weekly uh, Zoom session with all mm-hmm. of our patron members on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. And uh, during that uh, session, uh, some people suggested, some of the listeners suggested that uh, we we talk about quality improvement, so that's what we would thought we would uh, discuss today. So let's just start discussing, you know, what why is it important, you know? And, and I think I need to point out that we have to understand that it's it's a philosophy; it's not a bunch of paperwork. And I know our I know many of our owners believe this, you know, that uh, quality improvement is just you know a lot of paperwork. But uh, but I think our staff generally understand that it's much more mm-hmm. than that. But do they truly understand, or do you truly? appreciate the magnitude of all the things that are uh, that go into this uh, and how you fit into it as, as a staff person. So that's what we're going to try to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, I have no idea how I'm going to try to do this in 20 minutes, but uh, yeah. we'll, we'll do our best yeah. we can. And I think it's helpful in when you are the one that's maybe gathering the information yeah. and doing a lot of that paperwork, if you know the reason for it, if you see something good come out of it. So, right. you know, you're, you're gathering the information and some places don't realize that, that it doesn't stop there. You right. know, you have to do something with that information, figure out a way to, to identify the issues that you're having, and then how are you going to address them? Well, and, and quality improvement is central to the concept of high-quality care. We know mm-hmm. that our centers provide high-quality care. What we find in quality improvement activities, though, is a way to prove that and mm-hmm. also a mm-hmm. way to continue to improve. Mm-hmm. None of us are perfect. Well, maybe I am, but <laughs> no. I mean, none of us are perfect. And uh, as a result of that, quality improvement activities help us to identify activities that we uh, could 
perhaps do better mm-hmm. or things that we could do better. Uh, as I said, it's not paperwork and it's what you're already doing. I, I say this a lot for about nurses. You don't take a lot of credit for all the wonderful things that you do in order to improve quality. And what I find uh, when I walk into a facility and I, I talk about incident reporting, mm-hmm. many people will, you know, especially nurses will just say, well, I, you know, I, I just fix it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all well and good. But if you identify a problem, we want to document what that problem was yeah. and how you fixed it so that somebody can learn from it in the future. We don't want to have to repeat, you know, uh, that's the whole thing about mm-hmm. history is, yeah. you know, what is our history and what are the things that we learned over time? That's really what quality improvement is about. And how do you take that a step farther? Because maybe you're always fixing a certain thing you see or, or there's right. a near miss. And five other nurses are also doing the same thing. Well, then you're missing an opportunity to identify, you know, what that thing is and maybe take a step back deeper into it and figure out how to stop that from happening or, you know, really identify the the root cause of it. So it's just, you know, it's important. And I think a lot of people also are concerned that if they're identifying too much, that they're saying they're doing something wrong, but you're really not. You're as long as you're fixing it and you're addressing it, that's that proves good care and, and that you care about what you're doing and, and how to improve everything. I remember an argument I had with one of our owners, one of the uh, the owners of a surgery center, who uh, I was explaining to him the importance of, of incident reporting. And uh, he said to me, John, if I catch anybody writing an incident report, I'm going to fire them. And I said, well, that's not exactly effective quality improvement. Mm-hmm. And I said, so, you know, of course, uh, trying to to be the good cop, um, you know, to to Lori Roderick's uh-huh. uh, bad cop uh, <laughs> uh, uh, belief. That's we we joke about us doing that yeah. all the time. Uh, I said, you know, what what makes you say that? He says, well, you know, we we provide high quality care here, and if I identify any problems, you know, I fix them right away. Uh-huh. And and that it was it was good for him to kind of put it in that way. So I said, uh-huh. so give me an example. And he said, well, this morning I was walking down the hallway and I saw a dust bunny in the corner. And my cleaning company, you know, clearly dropped the ball on this. So I called them right up on the phone and told them that they, you know, that they needed to fix Uh this and they needed to do a thorough clean the next time. And I said, well, that's an incident report. You know, Uh you learn from that. They learn from that. You want to document the fact that you did that. Uh You know, writing an incident report. I mean, now... Probably really don't want to have incident reports about dust, dust bunnies, bunnies. <laughs> but but if that's the if that's the yeah. worst thing that happens there, you know more power to them. But I use that as an example mm-hmm. of how okay, you found a dust bunny. Uh, it was something that would impede the quality of care in your mm-hmm. organization. You contacted the cleaning company, you told them what to do, you fixed it, and then you continue mm-hmm. to monitor to make sure that doesn't happen in the future. Yeah. So that's the that's the definition of a quality improvement activity. Now that's at the most base level, mm-hmm. of course. Really, you know, other activities hopefully are are going to be a little more mm-hmm. robust. But using a simple example is that. So if everybody walking down your hallways, all of your nurses are just, you know, scooping that up with a paper towel or something, then nobody ever gets to know that, hey, we need to talk to our cleaning company. There's some kind of a problem here. So, you know, again, that's that's just a really simple example of it, but that you can extrapolate to, you know, everything else. You want to be reporting it so you can see where do we need to dig in deeper. I I mean, I... I've been known to do this. Even mm-hmm. when I'm, you know, going to a client, I walk down, you know, I see something laying on the floor, I pick it up, throw it in the garbage. That's good of me to do that, but we really want to identify how that 
particular issue occurred mm-hmm. um, and and follow and through on it. if it's happening it. a lot. And if, yeah. Especially if it's happening a lot. So uh, you need to understand the quality improvement uh, provides a mechanism for documenting your quality improvement activities related to improving quality. It should be non-punitive. In other words, we do this to identify opportunities for improvement and, and without blame, mm-hmm. uh, recognizing that it's mostly a systemic problem. Uh, and, of course, quality improvement is a major component, if the most major component of surveys. So let's start by talking about the conditions for coverage. In a previous episode, we discussed the Medicare uh, rules and regulations, which are better known as the conditions for coverage. So whenever we're talking about anything uh, regulatory in an organization or an amateur surgery center, we always want to refer back to the conditions for coverage and the associated interpretive guidelines. And if you need some more information about that, you might want to refer back to, I think it's episode 129 uh, for more information. Sue, why don't you tell us about 416.43, conditions for coverage? Okay, so this is a quality assessment and performance improvement. Um, The ASC must develop, implement, and maintain an ongoing data-driven quality assessment and performance improvement, or QAPI, program. And the standard is program scope. The program must include, but not be limited to, an ongoing program that demonstrates measurable improvement in patient health outcomes and improves patient safety by using quality indicators or performance measures associated with improved health outcomes and by the identification and reduction of medical errors. And the ASC must measure, analyze, and track quality indicators, adverse patient events, infection control, and other aspects of performance that includes care and services furnished in the ASC. So in order to carry out quality improvement, there's a number of things that we look for. And I can't possibly in the short amount of time that we have mm-hmm. here and that you have graciously given to us to to listen to us discuss the entire program. But I do want to kind of go over the, the basic attributes of a quality improvement program. First and foremost is the identification of incidents. Now, it is important to understand that every organization is going to have an incident. And the incident isn't always something that's really bad. It's not always a patient that had a fall or was transferred to the hospital. Um, now, there are going to be those, which we would probably refer to as adverse incidents. In other words, things that involve, you know, sentinel events that involve, you know, some harm to the patient, whether it was, uh, you know, the uh, the fault of the, of the staff, which is obviously quite rare, or just a known complication there. Also including incidents would be near misses and the resolution of those near misses. Now, I, near misses are very important because um, I give the example in um, cataract surgery. It's not unusual for, unfortunately, uh, to get into the operating room and realize that you're about to do surgery on the, mm-hmm. the incorrect eye. Now, all of you eye surgery centers have processes in place to do that, but that's still a near miss when it gets to the operating room. And that mm-hmm. means that something happened along the way where you didn't prep it properly. And the reason I think that it, it pops up in ophthalmology so much is because mostly most of the time you're doing both eyes they're just separated in time so and there might be some confusion maybe originally you're going to do the right now you're doing the left or whatever Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. or some uh, paperwork got mixed up you want to document near misses simply because you want to be able to say okay i caught it in the operating room but wouldn't it be great if i had caught it a step before Mm -hmm. that you always want to be able to use these opportunities use these near misses to identify a way that you can back it up a couple steps so that it doesn't get to mm-hmm. a point point in which that it's it's possible that it would have been undetected. Yeah, one of our centers they they had a discussion, I believe, at the board meeting um, where they talked about something that had almost happened, and the doctor just decided, okay, instead of everybody just listening to the timeout, he would repeat back right. the site uh, that the surgery was to be done on, and and you know just they wanted to prevent it in the future, and they took like you said that step back and decided right. how do we 
address this before it happens. So as part of incidents, you're going to be looking for state reportable. Many of the states have uh, state requirements uh, for reporting certain types of incidents. You're also going to identify uh, OSHA and safety like uh, needle sticks, etc. You're going to want to also look at other incidents and occurrences. I like to include in this category things like equipment breaking down. You know, if an equipment piece of equipment broke down during a surgery, that's kind of important. And you want to be able to identify that and what you did to, to fix that. And keep an eye out. A big part of incident reporting is tracking and trending. In other words, mm-hmm. looking at the history of these incidents over time to see if it's increasing. Like if your um, uh, C-arm is breaking down frequently mm-hmm. in, a, in an increased frequency, maybe it's time to think about a new C-arm, for yep, example. Replace it or monitor it more frequently. Right, or get better repair, mm-hmm. yeah, get, get mm-hmm. a better repair yeah. organization. Um, also, uh, grievances would be another incident. Hopefully, you don't have a lot of them, but you know we know that grievances happen uh, depending upon your organization, the types of things, and how much you encourage people to uh, complain. Now, a grievance is a, a written uh, complaint usually. There are other types of complaints mm-hmm. that you might get, like satisfaction surveys. Satisfaction mm-hmm. surveys is another thing you want to be doing on a regular basis. You also want to look at cancellations because cancellations tell us a lot. I mean, to have one cancellation in a GI center because uh, the patient didn't go through prep is uh, probably the patient's fault. But if you find that 50% of your patients come in with a bad prep, that's mm-hmm. probably the office's the fault or somebody mm-hmm. somebody didn't do education properly. And, of course, hospital transfers. You should be looking at those hospital transfers. Now, this happens periodically, Sue, where people will say, well, I just transferred the patient even before they went into the operating room. I don't have to show that as an incident, right? No, you do. Mm-hmm. And I, this is what I say about that is that if uh, – let's let's take an example. Let's say that uh, you have one incident the entire year where a patient comes into the uh, the surgery center and, and is identified as having uh, – being in AFib. Um, and you decide you need to take – you know, can't you cancel the surgery, send the patient off to the hospital, et cetera. And, you know, it, it's an incident. You didn't do anything wrong. As a matter of fact, you – might have actually saved their life mm-hmm. uh, by identifying a situation that could have gotten worse. That is still an incident. Mm-hmm. Now, one situation is not a reflection or there probably isn't anything you could do. Mm-hmm. But imagine a scenario the next week when 50% of your patients, I'm using an example, yeah, yeah. but 50% of your patients had to go mm-hmm. to the hospital. That probably means you're not doing a very good job or the surgeons uh, of screening, screening those patients. Ahead of time. Or, or the high blood pressure, are, right. high, you know, their blood sugar's out of control. If you start seeing a trend, maybe you need to test a little bit more beforehand. Right, right. Ask a lot more questions mm-hmm. upon the pre-op screening. So tracking and trending is a very important part of quality. Quality improvement, looking at the trends of things such as the incidents or infections, etc. You want to compare them over time and see if uh, things are increasing at a, at a certain clip. You know, if your numbers are flat, then you probably don't have to do anything. But if you see a rising trend, you're going to want to start working on that. Infection control, of course, is a major part of uh, quality improvement activities. You want to track all of the infections that you do have. You usually do this by asking the physicians to indicate whether any of the cases they performed in a previous month had an infection. Uh, you're also going to want to look at sterile processing to identify issues in your sterile processing area. Is all of your equipment working properly? You know, you're going to want to review those logs. You know, immediate use uh, steam sterilization. Now, of course, I'm old, so I still use the term flash sterilization. Uh, but you don't want to be using uh, you know, IUSS if you can avoid it. 
um, because that that could be an indication that uh, you're taking a little bit of risk in not having proper sterilization of the instruments. And then you're also going to want to do surveillance. There's different types of surveillance depending upon your organization. Hand hygiene is something that almost, well, all organizations should be practicing. Sharp safety surveillance, uh, infection control environmental rounds. Those three are like the most basic types of surveillance that you'll have. Also, your state might have surveillance related to influenza reporting. And I guess now, I, I haven't heard this yet, but I suspect that uh, COVID-19 or coronavirus will be another thing that we're going to report on. Uh, and, you know, also in your quality improvement, uh, need to make sure that your training is up to date here. Also, infection control requires that you do an annual risk assessment, also known as an infection control risk assessment or ICRA. Another element of quality improvement is chart reviews and peer review. This is where you uh, either have an outside medical record consultant come in and review your charts and or uh, have your nurses review chart audits. Almost all organizations probably should take some time to review, uh, to have nurses review their charts to make sure that they are complete and review the results and follow up on any trends they might have. Uh, physician chart audits are also required. Then Those are better known as peer review. So you should be doing physician chart audits for both anesthesia and surgery. And for pharmacy, you might have a pharmacy consultant. Um, it is required in some states and, and not in others. If you did, you'd have the report of the consultant. You want to keep track of any medication errors. So if you had any, you know, you'd list the errors, any formulary or drug issues or changes, look-alike, sound-alike, or really confused drug names is what they're called now. Um, high alert drug list issues. Then we should also be looking at patient uh, satisfaction surveys. Now, a lot of different ways that you can do this. The, the best way is really to hand every patient a patient satisfaction survey before mm -hmm. they leave and then get all that information back. Uh, and, you know, digest it, you know, follow up on any uh, issues that are identified and then, you know, try find some way of, of turning that into s statistics that tell you how well you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, from an environmental standpoint, you're going to want to make sure that somebody is doing OSHA and safety rounds, that there's, they're doing monthly in equipment inspections, biomedical testing is up to date, and identify any equipment issues that you might have. What equipment is breaking down on a regular basis, for example? HVAC is always a big issue in ASCs, unfortunately, especially older facilities. You want to make sure that the equipment is working well, that temperature and humidity issues are resolved, that pressure relationships and the rooms are appropriate. So that seems to be a big issue lately mm -hmm. in uh, many of the uh, ASCs that I've been going into. The humidity will be outside that range. Mm -hmm. The proper range, by the way, is 30 to 60 degrees. We'll probably have to have an episode soon where we talk more about mm -hmm. some issues on temperature and humidity. There is this perception that you can go as low as 20%, uh, and that is not necessarily true. There's a nuance there, and uh, uh, we can talk about that in another episode. Mm -hmm. But the proper range is 30 to 60%, depending upon the manufacturer's instructions. And, of course, always remember between with that and refrigerator temps, if you go outside the range, you have to make a note of what you've done right. to fix that or to negate any issues. Uh, as part of your quality improvement, you also want to follow up on fire safety, you know, make sure all of your drills, you should be probably doing four per year, uh, and they have to be scenario based. They should be unannounced. Many organizations really don't take fire drills very seriously, uh, but surveyors are really getting on top of that now. So do a scenario based uh, drill. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not one of those things where you set off the fire alarm and make sure everybody leaves like we used to do in school. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not a good fire drill for, uh, for a surgery center. 
Emergency preparedness is another part of quality improvement, uh, being prepared for external disasters and internal disasters. Um, I, I think it's fair to say, I mean, we talked about this during uh, the, the podcast that we recorded during the retreat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have quite a bit more about uh, external disasters and things that we've learned. But but you want to document all of that, all of the things that you've done in your quality improvement activities. And then internal disasters, uh, preparedness, being ready for MH. Uh, situations by doing drills, you know, be ready for code blue situations by doing drills. I also recommend incapacitated provider drills. Why can I not say that right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And remember, as part of emergency preparedness, you do need to do an annual risk assessment, better known as an HVA or hazard vulnerability analysis. And the quality improvement committee needs to review that and, and make changes based upon the results of that. If you are doing radiation safety, uh, like a C-arm, then you need to make sure that you're documenting uh, all of the uh, processes that you have to have in place, you know, the badges and uh, following up on any issues with regard to radiation safety. And to kind of finish up on quality improvement, all of your organizations should be doing external benchmarking, comparing Mm -hmm. statistics like your infection rate Mm -hmm. or the number of uh, transfers to the hospital to other organizations, other ambulatory surgery centers, perhaps in your area or nationally. And, of course, QI studies, especially if you are a AAAC organization, uh, you need to do a certain number of QI studies every uh, every three-year cycle. Mm -hmm. So I hope this has given you a good introduction to quality improvement. I know it's a lot to digest in 20 minutes, um, but uh, you know if you do want more information about quality improvement, we have a lot of episodes on uh, quality improvement uh, and, of course, our wonderful boot camps that uh, help prepare new nurse managers mm-hmm. and administrators. Uh, you know, Depending upon where you are in your career, if you decide that this is something that you're passionate about, I do encourage you to, to think about some of the other programs that are available. Yeah. And we always, of course, encourage you to reach out with you know any area that you're especially interested in and feel like we could cover more in depth. Right. We get a lot of our recommendations from our uh, listeners here mm-hmm. uh, you know, for future episodes. So. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey. But did you know that you can enhance your experience and support the free podcast by becoming a patron member? Patron members have access to ASC Central, and add-on service at a very reasonable price. Patron members have access to our regular drop-in virtual meetings where you can discuss issues that you are dealing with in your ambulatory surgery center with the hosts and other members. Members also have access to valuable member resources, including a a document library with a growing list of resources, including the rules and regulations, guides to maintaining compliance, example policies and procedures, infection control resources, example risk assessments, example committee and governing body minutes, and over 60 disaster drill scenario kits and example forms and checklists. Members also have access to some of the virtual conferences that we have presented, including the Provider Credentialing Conference, which we offered in December 2020. It's a New World Conference in 2020. Infection Control in-service to meet the challenges of COVID-19. And the ASC Mandatory Education Program, which is a valuable resource for annual education for your staff. Membership helps to defray the cost of producing the podcast, including the research staff, travel costs to conferences, equipment costs, and production costs. For more information, you may visit ASCPodcast.com. To become a member, visit ASCPodcast.com. We would like to thank our sponsor, Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, the nation's leading regulatory compliance resource for ambulatory surgery centers. For more information about their services, please visit ah-strategies.com. 
email them at info at ah-strategies.com or call John Gailey directly at 585-594-1167. This podcast is an educational and operational tool and is not intended to be a comprehensive resource for all rules, regulations, and standards that an ambulatory surgery center must meet. The advice provided should not be considered as nor does it constitute legal advice or opinion. When reviewing specific situations involving legal and regulatory issues, attorneys and other professionals should be consulted. This has been a production of Eden Group Development. All rights are reserved. If you're interested in advertising or sponsoring the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, please email us at info at ASCPodcast.com. We would love to hear your comments and questions. Please email us at comments at ASCPodcast.com.